Welcome to part two of the Proper Job podcast. If you haven't listened to part one of George telling his story of his journey into becoming a professional poker player, go and listen to it because otherwise this doesn't make any sense. Other than that, let's click play. Go. When do you start calling yourself a professional poker player then? <laughs> That's the million dollar question because <laughs> because essentially, right, my grandma could play a bit of online and she's not got a job, you know, she's retired. But if, if she won a fiver that day, she could be like, right, well, I'm a professional poker player now. Um, and you see that all the time in poker, leading back to the thing I told you about the variance of the game and the fact that you know, a guy that is just making up his decisions on the fly can win a tournament out of just pure luck and pure chance and card distribution, right? So you see oftentimes in poker, there was a famous one where a guy who was like playing university poker had qualified for this like £5,000 event, right? And he'd come like third in it for like 280000 um, and we saw him at one of these wow. like student events the next year, and it was a classic case of like, have you heard the stories about like the lottery winners at a young age that like three years later are completely broke? Yeah, this guy was just out of control. You know, he was drinking, he was like playing cash games and just like going all in every hand, just giving money away because he knew that he had the money to do it, and he just didn't give a fuck. So. Um, I'm not sure where I was going with that but I think I was always like quite I was always quite sure about like the slow path to success in poker and I'd I'd sort of like you know like uh, gone around in circles for a few years Um, but that was the way out really what was the way out what do you mean just just being sat in the chair putting in your honest day's work and uh, yeah, going back to your question about what makes a professional poker player, I think it's your, I think it's your feeling, you know, like, am I treating this with respect? Am I doing this to make money, you know? And I think that the differences between people that are doing it to make money and the people that are doing it to have fun, but are trying to make maybe a bit of money, what you'd call a recreational poker player, is exactly that. Like I've met a lot of different types of people that had called themselves a professional poker player at one time. And some, like me, did it because they didn't have anything else to fall back on. So it was they were just sort of chancing it for a while, you know? Like, let's see if I can spin up a bankroll playing this card game. Other people, which is what I sort of developed into, um, were you know, taking it seriously, doing some study. They'd created like a chat group with uh, people that were at a similar level with them. And I think the key in poker in progression is creating groups of people where you all have a similar skill set, but some people are better at one, uh, one part of the game and other people are better at other parts of the game. So at the moment, the thing that I'm getting a lot of insight and um, learning from is a group of us and we've got uh, one guy who's uh, playing tournaments. There's in fact like four or five guys that are playing tournaments. I'm playing uh, Omaha cash games, which is like four card poker instead of two card poker. But I'm also interested in these tournaments. And some of them are also interested in the four card Omaha, right? So we're able to better each other whilst at the same time, because poker, right, is, is a very individual game. 
Um, and I think that the old school philosophy was like a sports betting professional, you know. If you've got an edge, keep it to yourself and don't tell anyone. But I think poker has become a lot more social because the games are getting tougher. So people like me and my group are like teaming up now to put six brains uh, under one roof instead of one brain. You know, and also with that, and the things that I really like is you, you get some sort of like pastoral care that comes naturally from the group, because there'll always be, even though we're all professionals, there'll always be two guys that are like on a downswing, which means that they're like running, um, that they're, they're not getting the the luck, or that they're getting rather the other way around. They're getting very unlucky. You know, their their effort and their uh, time spent aren't. Uh, instantly being rewarded with the profits that they deserve from that amount of effort and then there'll be another guy who's like doing really really well and you're you know the the great thing is that there's no one that's that toxic in that group that's just like oh well he's just a lucky player and he's like a lucky son of a bitch and so forth because we've all had our runs like that and so like we're all working together now and to define what a professional poker player is it's something that I felt like I was an enthusiast of the game for many years, but over the last year and a half, with this group, with this support network of people around me, and also with the the way that I've had to throw myself in at the deep end, and I've had my back up against the wall, just to give you a side story, for example, I'd called myself a professional poker player, but... I'd been on a downswing, like I was saying. I'd lost uh, quite a lot of money playing in these games. It felt like every day I was just, like, cursed or something, you know? Like, the money would be going in, I've got the best hand, and the pot would be going to the other guy because he's hit his miracle on the last card, the river. So I had about... We'd planned a trip to the Philippines, right? And I'd had, like, a decent bankroll of, say, three or four thousand pounds... That had dwindled down to about 500. So uh, I had my back up against the wall and I had about three weeks to uh, pull together some money. Otherwise, I was going to lose out. I could go uh, because I'd already paid for the flight tickets and the accommodation, which was about six or 700. But what the fuck was I going to do there for three or four weeks with no money, right? So my back was up against the wall and that was when I started to realise that it's not all glitz and glam and Instagram posts about winning the trophy and winning, uh, you know, 10 grand or, you know, it's it's those gritty times where I, was, I believe I was on a family holiday in the Isle of Wight with my family and they were just like, well, what are you going to do? Because we're going to go to the beach today. And I was like, I've got to work, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Um, and even though I was getting all of these distractions and my grandma was just like, you need to get your head out of that computer, boy, we're having dinner. You know, I was just there with my bum chained to the seat for 12 hours a day, grinding, and I managed to spin up a roll of about two and a half, three thousand, which I then took to the Philippines and had some success there. So, yeah, um, I don't, just to go on a side sort of tangent as I usually do uh, I don't think no voice yeah uh, I don't think that Instagram and poker uh, go that well together because I like to be quite an authentic and an honest person but it can just be easy sometimes to just post about the good times and in the bad times when you got your back up against the wall you don't want to post because you're either fearful of the response or you 
want to desperately i think it creates this environment where you just want to you want to impress people you want to feel like you're a you're a hard working or like um uh what's the word just like a you know a do gooder in 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 your role or in your field and it's just not like that in poker you it's not like um you're just carving out an hourly rate like you are in a job um there are so many factors and so many things that can't go your way uh and even just over the last couple of weeks um recently i've been living in slovakia and i've had a really great run in live tournaments um i've put myself into loads of good situations i won a high roller um and you know I, i've also had like some really close calls where like i came 27th out of three and a half thousand people where first place was 50,000 euros you know and for that 27th i got about 901,000 which is great but you know when you come that close and i got a bit unlucky with the way i busted the hand which would have been for like to put myself in first position with you know three tables of players left those things can hurt you and uh they do you know i just remember you know almost wasn't on the verge of tears but i just felt like um someone had just stabbed me with a knife in my gut and i think in retrospect i think i wanted to feel like that because that that shows me that i've got passion for the game you know and i and i really want to to do it the best i can and poker is a great way whilst it's not like giving you loads of transfer transferable skills for other parts in life yes and no you know it doesn't make you that employable unless you're going to go into like trading or something like that um it does teach you that life is full of ups and downs and often life isn't fair you know like i was the best player left in that tournament i don't think anyone would have disagreed with that um but i didn't win you know and and sometimes you feel like and what we call in poker um entitlement tilt which is basically like uh, a mindset where i'm the best player i deserve to win and it just doesn't work like that you know you've got to be self-aware and um just open and honest with yourself enough to realize that you're not going to close out these situations 100 percent of the time where are we currently in the world of poker you know uh... We talk about the golden years and things like that. Have they been and gone or are they coming? Because I've heard also rumours about Texas Hold'em being almost a game that's being figured out. Is there any truth in that? There is. Um, so I'm watching, just to give you some context, let's use poker with chess as like a, as like an analogy, right? So in chess, there's 64 squares um you've got your your pawns and all of your pieces at the back there's an only a certain amount of moves right and combinations of moves that are possible and they were all figured out by a computer called deep blue who were like in the 90s or like 2000s or something beat the world's best chess player um you know and that is what is starting to happen with poker 20 years later in no limit hold'em where with no limit hold'em there's two cards and five cards which we call the community cards which are that everyone is making their hand from and in heads up poker so two versus two with the five cards out 
that game has become almost solved from a computer, right? So what you're starting to see in these uh, No Limit Hold'em games online is people are using these like um, things called RTA, which is real-time assistance, right? So these people are getting these outputs from the computer, from the genius computer that can be basically beating anyone unexploitably. Are we talking about artificial intelligence, AI here? Yeah, AI, AI, just, just masterful algorithms and computers and they just spit out what you need when you need it. Um, and if you've got a computer good enough to run it, you can use it, right? So that's the issue with online poker and there's a lot of uh, clouds of doubt about the longevity of online poker. Uh, in terms of Texas Hold'em. And I think you've hit the nail on the head because chess was solved and now it's kind of like almost a defunct game. You know, if you're playing it face-to-face, it's a great game, but online chess has kind of been corrupted from the same thing. And poker is heading that way. There's been a scandal recently where one of the famous players that's linked to one of the biggest sites, GG Poker, um, has been outed as using uh, cheating software to help him make the best decisions and you know this is a guy that's taken two hundred thousand dollars out of that site um you know illegally or uh without the correct morale morality behind the you know the the honesty of the game and this is something that's happening more and more for me um as a poker player live poker as in like poker when you go to a casino and it's dealt and it's unbiased and you know you've got security there and you can leave your money there on deposit and all this kind of thing and it's all you know it's all legit that's fine um um online could and might be um about to you know plummet based on that but i'm playing uh, mostly four cards which is like the omaha variant of the game and that has eight times the amount of potential scenarios pre-flop before the, before the hand starts in Omaha than there are in Hold'em. So it would just take like so much more computer output and like I think to the level where it's, it doesn't currently exist. Um, will I be a professional poker player or will there be many people in my situation that are making a comfortable living out of the game in 10 years' time? I don't think so. I think it's just going to be left with the guys that are doing this uh, computer work off the tables. Um, and obviously with the, with the progression of the, the AI and the supercomputers, there's also going to be a progression that can detect who's using them and who isn't whilst the game is being played. So I don't think in the long run it's going to be that detrimental. But because of how you know, easy it is to access this information. If you're not willing to put the work in, you're just going to get left behind. So in answer to your question, yes, there are some, you know, dicey looking times for online poker. Live poker is not going to have an issue because, you know, that's where you get most recreational players who just want to have a bit of a punt and and a laugh and a few beers and play some cards. That's great. That's always going to be um, a hunting ground for a professional poker player because, you know, uh, some guy with a wife and two kids he's worked his ass off and he just wants to go down to the casino on a Friday night and, and play some cards with the boys you know and he takes down anywhere between 200 to a couple of thousand and that's you know a disposable income for him that he's willing to use, lose 
online, it's, you know, much more of a cesspit of people like hunting down someone like that within seconds. You know, they've got these things called scripts, which is, um, which is like computer software that detects if there's like a weaker player playing on some table and instantly sits that person on a seat on that table so that they can start to make some money from him. Um, so it has become quite predatorial. So when, that, when it becomes predatorial like that and saturated in some ways, people start to de- devise clever ways of getting first past the post, you know, and like the getting their hands on the loot because with online poker and with some ways of making money, like having an eBay shop or like uh, it was just loads of different things, right, that, that have become a little bit saturated. Um, they're becoming more and more competitive. And if you're not at the forefront of it, then unfortunately, you're going to be the one whose uh, bottom line is going to be affected. You talk about bottom line there, George, and I want to link that to uh, traveling. You go on these um, poker tournaments abroad. Is the outlaying cost associated with accommodation and flights worth it? Is there a better chance of winning these competitions, these tournaments abroad? It depends on what level you are in the game. If you're going to go out there and play some like medium to high stakes tournaments... I think it's worthwhile. I think at the time, we were young, a little bit naive, and we weren't thinking about it from strictly a financial standpoint. We would be happy just breaking even on the holiday and coming back because it would be a nice experience for us and it would be like a good way of getting a, blowing off a bit of steam uh, away from the, the, the sort of like bricks and mortar sitting inside and, and grinding the online poker. So... I think you make a really good point there because that's something that we hadn't considered and we started to realize that we could even go on these trips and unless that we were like winning some of these big tournaments or like going really deep and making a final table in some of these big tournaments we weren't likely to make a profit on the trip and that was towards the start of when I was taking poker seriously and yeah, you're right, because things like that hinder your progress because you're in a foreign country, you've paid the flight tickets and the accommodation, and that's instantly a sunk cost. That's gone. To to make a profit on the trip, you need to recoup those losses and then some because you're going to have to pay for... And I, I know I said that taxis and food and that are like pretty cheap, but when you're getting like three or four taxis a day, three or four meals a day... Um, Ten beers a day too, mate. Yeah, ten beers, exactly. You know, like the, the fridge was the fridge was just like sort of it's weird out there because you can't just go into like a, a Tesco and, you know, get some like pre cooked meat or whatever and everything's in a foreign language and you know, the level of English isn't that high as it is in like Europe or something where where like the society and like the the, the cuisine is quite similar, so you know, often it would be difficult to work out what you're buying or like how you can even cook because like even like the the stuff that you're cooking with is a bit different and everything's a bit askew, you know, and that's why I was saying you've got to acclimatise to these and with your point about the financial side of it, was it the best decision? No. Did it help me learn a lot about life uh, in terms of coming from the perspective of a poker player that has inadvertently sheltered himself from the real world because, you know, all I knew at that point uh, in my immediate lifestyle was playing online poker, making some money, 
you know, going out and drinking with my friends and rinse, repeat the next week. You know, that was it. Um, do I know anything about society? No. Am I keeping up with current affairs? No. Have I even researched the fact that this place could be dangerous? No, because I was completely naive and I just wanted to throw myself in at the deep end. And, you know, that's how you learn the hardest lessons in life. But it's also great learning experiences. And, you know, I I can look back on that with rose-tinted spectacles and be like, oh, you know, like, what a young, dumb and stupid idiot. But, you know, those those experiences shape you as a person. And, like, I've always been quite impulsive uh, and not really, like, a massive planner. And I've definitely had to... um, I've definitely had to make that uh, uh, make changes to that approach to, to to sort of start to gain some success in the game. Yeah, you you took we we've spoken a few times in the conversation about the good things in poker. You know, it's on demand. You can play when you want. There's the foreign travel incorporated. You've seen different cultures. The money involved, obviously, and you've just touched upon the bad things as well. Are there any other bad things? Like, uh, I suppose top of my head would be vices. Yeah, I think because poker players are naturally like very open-minded and um, you know tend to make money not easily, but just there tends to be a lot of money like flying around. I think a lot of people tend to fall back on like you know alcohol and you know recreational type stuff as like a, an escape route, and that can be definitely quite. Um, damaging especially if you're traveling around and you're in foreign cities and you don't really know your whereabouts or you don't know the the what's going on locally or how to get about the place and you know there's been many dangerous situations where towards the start of my career I was at a poker tour in Marbella uh, and I just had way too much to drink and I woke up on like a roundabout in the middle of nowhere you know, I my last memory was being in a nightclub and like there was some sort of hen party and I was like dancing on the table, like doing the naked butler type thing, you know, just sort of like just completely wankered. But, you know, yeah, I, you, you're right that those those vices and those issues do create problems if you let it get out of control. And I know of a lot of poker players as well that, you know, battle with um, I wouldn't say addictions, but just bad habits, you know, like there's a lot of guys that because they're quite like introverted and like interesting sort of minds and deep minds, you know, they're smoking a lot of weed and they use that as like medicine to to help them think on a deeper level or whatever. You know, from my experiences with weed, I don't think it's particularly that helpful in fact it's more of a distraction and like a mental fog but I know that that might be coming from me as like an extrovert whereas like the introverted guys maybe that it helps them like settle themselves and just gain a bit more like depth and clarity because you know you've seen these days the rise of CBD oil and like marijuana for the positive uses of it it's like helping people um you know gain um some clarity and like uh helping them alleviate themselves from pain so you know and that brings the subject of moderation to the forefront i think whereas it's not detrimental to your poker game to go to the occasional live event and you know have a few drinks but when me and my friend started this journey, we were going to you know live events that were linked with our online site called Sky Poker. Um, 
you know, and at the time we were qualified for like a £220 tournament where there'd be like 15000 to the winner or something. And, you know, f- at that point in our careers, we just didn't give it the respect it deserves as like a, a nice shot to make some good money. We were just completely pissed the entire weekend because a number of things. One, we were just happy to be away from sitting on the desk and grinding online all day. Two, we were meeting people that we'd only seen them as like screen names on a screen, you know, and we felt as though we had like some sort of like uh, weird connection with these people because we'd battled with them and we played like so many hands of poker with them. And then you meet them and it's just like this, like for for someone as extroverted as me who like really enjoys these kind of social dynamics and those kind of things... um, to have this like image of someone in your head based on the way they play cards and then them to be a completely different person or them to just be the opposite is like a very stimulating experience because you know you want to get to grips with who they are and you know like these are people that are like playing quite a big part in your life even though you only just see them on an online screen so we just let that we let that excitement and we let that kind of um again the naivety of not treating it with respect take over and like poker players and vices uh it's yeah it's the thorn in the side of a poker player for for many ways whether that's alcohol whether that's like gambling on roulette and uh, slots which is surprisingly common because you know it 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 does take a rather uh uh intellectual person to be able to compete in these games just because of the amount of high level strategy is involved but then again, you see these smart people and uh, you realise that people, yeah, you can be smart at like the top of your form. But if you're like tired, if you're a bit drunk, all of a sudden, you know, your your comfort zone comes in and you just start making very irrational decisions. And that, that can that can really damage your bankroll and your livelihood because in poker, if you don't have a bankroll to play the games with... You know, you're going to have to either look for a stake, uh, which is a situation where someone is like, let's say, gives you 5,000 quid and says, right, off you go and we'll split the profits. And if you lose it, then I'll give you another 5,000 and you've got to work your way out of that five, that 5,000 to then make some money. So your cash and liquidity in poker is your ammunition. So if you're doing these things, which I was and which some of my friends were, where we weren't treating the game with respect because we felt that we were making money quite easily. And then we got to a situation where we'd kind of like stepped on the accelerator of the party lifestyle and the, oh, I don't give a shit, I can win this money back anyway. And then, then you lull yourself into that false sense of security of, oh shit, you know, I've only got this amount left. I've just been, you know, I haven't been taking the game seriously. Maybe you've been playing during this period, but you're hungover or you're actually drinking on the table or something like that. And, you know, the first couple of times I was traveling around Europe, I was doing that quite a lot. And I um, had gone from like zero money to, you know, like 5,000 bankroll to zero to 10,000 to zero just because... You know, I'd just like go to, for example, where I am now in the early days, Bratislava, and just go and get pissed at the casino for a week and, you know, expect to make money, which is, in retrospect, a very arrogant and ridiculous, foolish thing to assume because, you know, you're, you're not giving yourself the best chance to put yourself into a position to make money. 
So, you know, um, you're unwittingly disrespecting your opponents as well, but most importantly, you're self-destructing and disrespecting yourself. And I see it around the poker tables very commonly, and it's something that I really struggled to get to grips with, and I still haven't got the full grip on it. But I'm doing a lot better in terms of not drinking as much at the tables, drinking more water and just keeping myself a lot more focused and out of the way of that uh, self-destructive blade that can come and cut you at any time if you show uh, weakness to yourself. Um, yeah, so it's it's just it's 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 about taking yourself seriously in a game where a lot of people are kind of like out of the box thinkers, you know, like a bit anti-establishment, a bit rebellious, and uh, it can be easy for people with that mindset and that just that relaxed way of living. You know, like there's always a common joke about like if a poker player gets his laundry done, then that's just a, like a fantastic achievement for the day. You know, like because of how easy, not easy the money comes because we're working hard, but it just feels like when you're playing all the time and you're doing quite well and the money on the screen's going up and up and up, you know, it, it, it can be a, an addictive... Um, it can be an addictive vortex, I guess, that you just get sucked into. Uh, and all of the other parts of your life, you know, aren't as important as, you know, the, I guess in some ways addiction, but in also some ways passion, if I was to lube it up a bit, would be uh, would be behind that drive and that grind to just keep building the bankroll and just, you know, forget about all of those other important parts of life that can get left behind. And unfortunately, it's an all too common um, thing to see at casinos. I've been there where you see a guy who's like really talented at the game, but he's letting these like pressures or like these vices like drinking or like smoking or whatever get in the way of him making the best decision at the time. And, you know, he's only hurting himself and I was only hurting myself for quite a long time. Um, and yeah, I, I guess that's something that you've always got to deal with uh, when you've got uh, an open-minded but kind of addictive or impulsive uh, nature about you, which is which is ironic because those, those are also skills that are required to be a successful poker player. You have talked about bankroll quite a few times uh, in this interview and it sounds like there's a bit of a science to it. Can you tell me what it means? Yeah, so bankroll is the amount of money that you've got that you are using for uh, basically investing into your poker game. Okay, so let's say I've got, um, let's say when I was starting out, I had like a £500 bankroll, right? And there is a science behind it because if you're playing tournaments with a £500 bankroll, because of the nature of tournaments where there's a lot of variance and, you know, you can lose get very unlucky and like not not do that well you want to only be playing like five pound tournaments which you know that's tough if you've if you've got a high high skill ability in poker right and you've only got 500 quid you know that you're beating 100 pound tournaments but you can't play those tournaments because the risk of ruin is so high and that's again the science and something that is almost one of the worst vices in poker is you know the the realization of your ability but the non-realization of what you need to do 
at this current time with your current financial situation and so like i've i've spent i've had many times where like i've taken a shot and a shot means that you're not you've not got you're not practicing proper bankroll management for this game or this tournament but you feel like you've got a very good chance of winning and more times than not those things don't go that well because you're throwing yourself before you've even sat down at the table you're under all this pressure because you know that you, your bum shouldn't be in the seat you know you shouldn't really be playing you know that if you lose this it's going to be quite detrimental to your short term life you know and also if you lose this it's going to take longer to get the money back so because you know money makes money in poker if you've got a 30,000 pound bankroll you can play quite comfortably in some of these games and you go down to 20 and you've still got enough to rebuild whereas if you have a 5000 bankroll and you lose 1000 um in a weekend or something all of a sudden you've lost 20% of your poker net worth so like you know to to gain that back you've now got to make 25% on that money do you see what i mean because you've lost 20% yeah. but you you're now at 4 so to get to 5 again you've got to make 25% so you've got to turn that losing ROI from minus 20 into plus 25. And that's something that it's just very tough to do, especially with the, the effects of, you know, like um, the stress and the, the pressure that you put yourself under at the same time. So that's something that I've only recently just started getting to grips with because um, I managed to have quite a good year like going back to that point i made earlier about the authenticity of poker players and the fact that if you do type like hashtag poker in on instagram you're just going to find a load of guys that are bragging about their like one big win or like the their one big cash game session or this or that and i've been guilty of that as well but i think you need to uh you need to tell people because Two percent of people that play poker make money, and that's like a surprisingly low number. You know, of course, it does include all of the people that are like not really putting any time or effort into poker and just sort of having a having a bit of a laugh. But out of that, I'd say that ten percent of of those uh, poker players in the world are, are trying to make some sort of living out of it, and and you know to be part of that two percent and to have had the skill set and to have had the work ethic and and whatever to get myself into that position and then just to continually piss it away that was something that's quite mentally destructive and quite damaging and uh I had to get on top of that if 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 it was to be uh the career path because otherwise you know it it just wasn't it wasn't going to work out you've previously spoken about work ethic and discipline how are things now? Yeah, that's a great question because work ethic and discipline are two things that are come hand in hand but also can hurt each other. If, you, if you're kind of like young and semi-broke and you just want to play, 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 play uh, because you need to put money on the table, it's almost better just to work a job for a while, save up some money and then like, have a little bit of security behind you because... You know, you're going to have the work ethic, but you're not going to have the discipline. And you need the discipline to really uh, gain the the highest amount of success in poker. So I was just talking to my friend on the phone for three hours yesterday. And he's applying to join this, like, training course for, like, highly advanced uh, Hold'em cash game poker players. 
right? And I was talking about, because he's had a lot of success this year. Uh, he's completely transformed the way that, that me and him, you know, we were just going around drinking all the time. And both of us this year have started to, to gain a lot of success because we've, we've changed our habits. Um, him more so than me, I'm st- I've still got some vices that are holding me back a little bit, like just the, the pure obsession with the game and, you know, not, not working on those outside factors. But for about when the first lockdown happened, uh, he worked his ass off, you know, he was drinking loads of water, he, he was a little bit overweight at the time, he was fasting, so he lost the weight, you know, he's going on long walks, you know, he was smoking less, uh, I, I don't think at all. And he had some incredible results. And I said, mate, well, what was the biggest factor in that? And he said, you know, less is more. Okay, so don't just think that, okay, I'm going to roll out of bed and sit at my computer and do my 12 hours and then, you know, watch Netflix and go to bed. You know, where's the structure around that? Where's the where's the discipline? Like like what you said, where is it? You know, you you're not in any kind of routine. You're not even like, I'm not that great in the morning, like I've overslept today and sort of like I've been in a bit of a fuzz and I've just had an argument straight out of bed and it's not been the reflection of myself that I wanted from that scenario, but that's what happens and I was just thinking instantly when that situation happened, well, why would I just be firing up poker tables playing like quite high stakes versus like competent players if I'm not even going to be... Um, mentally aware enough to hold down a conversation in the morning, you know, so it's, it's that and it's, it's building these habits. Um, and something I've started doing, well, I've, I've sort of gone from this and then come back to it. But I think this time it will stick because we I'm in Bratislava at the moment, and we are on a second lockdown here. And so I've given myself this time to definitely play a little bit less so I'm gonna be playing either zero or like a couple of hours but it will be on a Skype call with a friend and we'll be discussing strategy and the rest of my time I just want to relax and now build like a structure for success in the future because you know like I was speaking about a little bit before when you are new to the game uh, and you need the money you just want to play 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 but I'm I'm fortunate enough to have had some nice results where I can just take a step back now and kind of like look at myself from almost outside of myself, if you know what I mean. Like be the fly on the wall that is looking at this person and what he's doing and what are his actual, um, what are the good attributes to his day-to-day life? What are the bad ones? Uh, And when you become obsessed with the game, things like fitness, um, general health, uh, eating well, they all are just easily lost as like good habits that take a while to uh, to build into your routine. So so I'm I'm basically on a bit of a reset at the moment. I'm not playing any like live poker. I'm just going to play a bit of online and uh, and get myself back into you know uh, well not get back but create uh, 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 a structure around me that I'm going to be feeling like I can thrive in. So what does a day in a life look like for you at the moment? Uh, and how would that perhaps compare to what you aim for it to be in the future? Yeah, so good question. So today, obviously, um, I'm not... What I used to do is like set alarms and rush about all the time. And from like talking and like consulting with other people, 
I think as a poker player, you need your sleep because it's resetting your brain, okay? Um, and when you don't get enough sleep, it's like when you're revising for an exam. If you've only, if you've like crash studied the night before and you've had three hours sleep and gone to the exam, you retain like a, a tiny percent of that stuff that you've learned. Uh, and it's the same with poker. Like if I've put my ass on the chair and grinded for eight hours, and then I just like binge watch Netflix until four in the morning and put the alarm on for eight because I want to play like the the nice morning games. All of like half of those things that I've learned from the day before have just been wasted because I didn't have the structure in place. So at the moment, what I'm trying to do, which is obviously different from what is actually happening because it's a gradual process, right? But what I'm trying to do is get up, have some water, go for a run, come back, get showered, get ready, do all that sort of like morning routine uh, type bullshit. You know, I'm not like the meditating guy or like the cold shower or whatever, but like there does need to be a structure in place. And, you know, during the morning, it's going to be some, um, based on what I said about the fact that I'm not naturally that focused in the morning, uh, it's going to have to be some sort of like um, less low intensity type work. So it's either going to be some reading or some light studying around the game or just even just some interacting with with friends and like catching up with people in poker and like, you know, almost like sharing notes as you would if you were like revising for a university exam, you know, oh, what do you think about this module? It's kind of like that in poker in a way. Like I don't like I don't like to use that analogy because I don't like that heavily structured format. I like to have some spontaneity about it. So when I was going to um, try and work out what I wanted to do on a day-to-day basis, it was going to be more about, okay, I thought, right, let's plan the week ahead. And then I thought, you know, after a few days, that's, that's not going to work because I like the spontaneity and I, I just want to have a planning time at the end of the day when I plan the next day so that I can, I can be flexible. Because sometimes in poker, there are really good games at times of the day and you know if you've got your structure which says that you're working nine to five and there's a really good game at seven well be more flexible you know change change that you you, you want to play in this game because it's going to make you a nice hourly wage so um yeah just so the day-to-day at the moment will just be to get up try and do some exercise do some sort of light mental exercises like uh discussing strategy with friends like doing some light studying um get into playing uh, about uh, about a quarter of the way through the day, do a two-hour session, have a little look at some of the biggest hands I played. Did I, did I feel like I played well? If yes, then, you know, I can take a half an hour break and get back in. If no, let's take two hours. Let's do something else. You know, let's like completely switch the brain off and just try and reset. Um, and then, you know, I can, I can try and... What I'm trying to do is work in four two-hour sessions because what I realized from my previous mistakes in poker was I would be playing two four-hour sessions with like a 15-minute break you know and like that that doesn't that doesn't uh that's not conducive to success in in any format you know if if you're working in retail or something and you've got your 15-minute break every four hours Fair enough, but you know I've worked in retail, and I don't think anyone in the world uh, would say I'm snobby to say that it's not something that requires much deep intellectual thought. It's you know folding hoodies and smiling at people, and you know that 
that should come quite naturally to people that actually know how to fold a hoodie and I didn't <laughs> so it was like that was that, that was the deep intellectual thought for me it was like what what do people do with this like usually when I was at home as a kid like my hoodies would just end up in my drawer neatly folded it was like there was some sort of fairy godmother or something that was doing it so you know that was like a new phenomenon for me but anyway going back to that yeah I think it's really important to build a routine around you and that's something that I haven't done and it's hindered my progress which is um, both annoying uh, and a sort of uh, a pain in the ass. but it's also at least I'm sort of getting to the stage where I'm self-aware to start in making an impact on that and, and, and building these small habits that are going to create larger more efficient more productive uh, habits for the future talking of future mate what are the goals for you? Do you, We've spoken about uh, what bankroll is. Is there a certain figure in your head that you, you aim to get to? Uh, is it to play high stakes? Is it to play live? Is it to play online or, or none of those? What are those goals, mate? Uh, it's a good question. I don't think for a poker player to set financial goals is the best for a course of action because... As a poker player, you can win a hell of a lot and lose a hell of a lot of money in a short space of time. And so let's say you uh, build a goal, which is to make X thousand a month, and you hit that after day 10. Instantly, you're not as motivated for the rest of the month to put in as much effort. Whereas, you know, if you feel as though you, you played really well that month, but it didn't precisely go your way, but you made slightly less than that, again, you're demotivated. So I think you're setting yourself up for failure with the financial goals. I think it just needs to be about the qualitative, qualitative approach. Oh, I can never say that word, qualitative approach to, uh, to your playing. So I'm happy these days if I've sat down and I'm focused and I've played really well whatever the result is, you know, whereas I used to be like, oh, how have I lost that all in? Or, oh, that's just fucking sick. Or like, oh, like, again, like I've, I've, I've lost that big pot. Whereas now it's more of a case of, as long as I felt like I gave myself the best chance to make money and I put myself into a good position of mental clarity and I, I grinded hard, that's what I wanted to do. So I think actually the, the, the plans for me are going to be you know things that are slightly outside of the actual nitty-gritty playing, but just to make sure my goal at the moment is to build a good routine that I feel comfortable in and that I... Not comfortable, but do you know what I mean? That I feel like I'm playing good poker because um, for many years I just travelled around. You know, I was in a different city all the time. I was playing some online. I was playing some Omaha. I was playing some Texas Hold'em. I was playing some short deck, which is a different game. You know, and it was kind of like... um, uh, an amplification of my previous life where I'd just been jumping around as a kid playing loads of different sports and not really like picking one and now I've picked one which is Omaha Cash Games Online and that's going to be what I focus my energies on and that goal is going to be to give myself the best chance from the structure around the way that I approach the game uh, to succeed uh-huh. Interesting, interesting answer so people who are listening and want to get involved in poker, what tips would you have for a novice player who's 
perhaps not played before or they're making the move from the casual game to actually, oh, I might want to do this more full-time. Can I be completely honest? Yeah, of course you can. I would say don't. I would say unless you're willing to commit your heart and soul into this game, the way that poker has accelerated over the last few years with the AI that I was talking about, with what we call solvers that are outputting uh, perfect strategies and uh, perfect strategies that can't be exploited by your opponents. This is like, if you don't have like a, at least a year or two years of hard work to get to like a, a pretty basic level of, of intermediate poker, uh, you're just too far behind the curve because, you know, if, if you started in like 2000, I started too late, to be honest. I started in like 2004. 14 maybe 13 or something so I've been playing sort of seven uh six seven years uh of that too seriously but there were people in 2009 and 2008 and even 2005 which was like the golden years of poker that were making a hundred grand a year just for sitting at their desk and turning up you know they didn't even have to build a routine around it the reason that I'm saying that whilst I think I'm a really talented player I've worked pretty hard at this game and I'm and I'm and it's still pretty difficult and competitive to the point where just being good and just being naturally talented isn't enough these days. That's why I was emphasizing that routine and that structure around you. So to people that are listening and thinking should I get into poker? In some ways yes, if you're just going to play in casinos and you're going to play against your friends, definitely watch some videos on YouTube. See what you find, see if you like it have a go at it but if you want to uh, make this a living and start competing online you're gonna have to work a hell just work so hard to be able to catch up with you know uh, people like my friends and I and just a lot of the guys that I know that uh, are making a living out of this game that have been just around the game for absolutely years like a close friend of mine he's been playing for 10 years you know and he's been a consistent winner in all those years and you know he's still having to work hard it's like if if you get if you get complacent or if you get comfortable in this game you're just left behind so my advice to people would be unless you're 100% sure that this is something that you want to do um i'd focus the time and money elsewhere because the the entry point of the game has kind of been and gone amazing george Thank you. Mate, it's always a pleasure, mate. I'm glad to catch up. Thank you for your time, man. Let's get your Instagram handle on there so people yeah. can follow you, mate. Do a okay, great stuff. If you are interested in my story or you want to see what's going on in my day-to-day life, feel free to give me a follow. It's at George of All Trades underscore. I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. And end the recording, mate. Yep. <laughs>